Let's hear the word of God as brought to us by Paul when he was writing to the Ephesians in chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the Gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the Spirit, by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the Church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with wisdom, sorry, with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As a boy, I often used to go down and stay with my great auntie Nancy in Hoth. It's kind of a few days down by the seaside. Uh, she was my grandfather's sister, one of nine children, and uh, she died back in 2003. Turned out she didn't have a will. And so out of the blue, a couple of companies have written to my mother saying, Annie Spencer Blythe, didn't know Annie Spencer Blythe was at first, uh, died, didn't leave a will, you know, would you like to engage our services to ensure that you get your share of the estate? And um, they charge a certain percentage of whatever comes to you in order to put you in touch with whatever is due to you through this person not having left a will. Uh, we haven't agreed to do anything with them yet, but I'm going to try and get in touch with my cousin, 
Well, I haven't seen since a significant birthday of another one of the, the, the nine siblings, but there you go. Genealogists, or inheritance recovery firms, work to track down the relatives of people who have died in intestate, and uh, they make their living by charging a percentage of whatever it is they secure for you from the estate. Having spoken to two different companies on the day when I was preparing this sermon, it made me think about how, in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul can be described a little bit like an air hunter or an inheritance recovery firm, because that's how he saw his apostolic ministry. He spent his time going round to people and saying, you've got a share in God's inheritance. You didn't know it, but you're part of God's family. All these riches that God has got stored up, they're yours. They're yours to claim. I can put you in touch with the living God. The Gentiles, the non-Jews, you have a share in Israel's inheritance. That's what he was saying. You have equal shares in God's promises to his people. You are equally members of God's family tree. You belong. You inherit. All the blessings God has his people are yours in Jesus Christ. That was the gospel that Paul dedicated his life to sharing. He was, in a very real sense, putting people in touch with the inheritance that they didn't know was theirs. And it was a radical, sorry, a radical transformation of his perception of how God worked to have what he thought back in the days when he was a Pharisee. Then he had assumed that belonging to God was a sole and unique privilege that belonged exclusively to Israel. They alone were holy. They alone were God's chosen people. God's promises were exclusively for them. No one else got a look in. All that changed when Paul met Jesus. The revelation that Jesus, God's own son, had died on the cross to put everyone right with God. Christ died for everyone, the good, the bad, the ugly. Everyone without exception was welcomed and accepted as part of God's family. And suddenly, being one of the elect was no longer a matter of living a good life and assiduously keeping God's laws. Everyone was welcome. Everyone was included. Everyone could be saved through Christ. Everyone could inherit in Christ. There was no catch, no fee in this case either. Anyone who was prepared to accept that God gave his son to save them, and anyone who prepared to put their trust in him was welcomed into God's family. Anyone who turned to Christ in repentance and faith was included in the inheritance. God's promises were valid for them, incorporated into God's family, belonging to God as his beloved children. That didn't mean money in the bank. But in Ephesians 1, Paul itemises the benefits freely available to everyone in Christ. In Christ you find that you've been chosen from before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in God's sight. And because he loves you, it's God's good pleasure to adopt you as his child. You become a recipient of the glorious grace which is freely given in Christ. You are set free in all sorts of ways. Your sins, whatever they are, are forgiven. 
You receive the Holy Spirit who guarantees your inheritance until the day when you are redeemed as God's treasured possession. Some of you sitting there might be thinking, well, that's all right, but I'd rather have money in the bank. You have no soul. And actually, let me, let me point to the reality that in terms of prosperity, we are immeasurably better off than we were 50, 60 years ago. In terms of well-being and mental health, generally being, when, generally speaking, we're not. Money in the bank does not bring fulfilment or satisfaction or happiness. But the blessings that God gives us in Christ do. These are the things that enrich your life on the inside here and now and secure your eternal happiness of the life to come. As such, these things are beyond price. Things to be highly prized. Things to be greatly sought after. And Paul made his life mission to tell all and sundry, all these things are yours if you believe the gospel of salvation I'm sharing with you. And it's the most unusual inheritance, but it works in the most unusual way. Because the more beneficiaries there are, the better it is for all concerned. That's not how it usually works when it comes to carving up an estate. When it comes to splitting assets, it works to your advantage if all the other potential heirs have died without having any children of their own. Remember my grandmother being really upset when someone a generation or two above her uh, had, had kind of divided the world between her children and most of her children have died, they've kind of gone down the generations. All these people, I've no idea who they are, are inheriting a large chunk of the inheritance. She was not at all happy about that. When it comes to getting your share of an inheritance, the natural and all too human tendency is to want to share it with as few people as possible. But in contrast to his earlier concern as a Pharisee, to jealously guard and keep God's inheritance so that it only belonged exclusively to the holiest of God's people, once he met Christ, all changed. He wanted as many people as possible to share an inheritance. Because when it comes to God's grace, the more you give away to others, the richer you become yourself. So instead of saying to all the Gentiles, this is ours, you can't have any, he was saying, this is as much yours as it is ours. Come and join us. You are part of the family. You belong. You are more than welcome. And in that sense, his open-handed generosity in sharing the good news of Jesus reflected the grace of God which opened the door to all comers when Christ died for the sins of the world. That was why God sent his son. It was never God's intention that membership of his family should only be restricted to the great and the good and the holy. God welcomes all kinds. Those who feel that fit. Those who feel too shabby or inferior to be included. Those who've done things they think put them beyond the pale. Those who find themselves a million miles away from God. In Christ, God says, you belong. You are welcome. You are accepted as a member of my family, as my beloved child. You share in my inheritance. And Paul was entrusted with the task of travelling as far as he could, seeking out anyone who would listen and sharing the good news. God loves you. God welcomes you. God accepts you. God forgives you. 
You have a share in the inheritance of all God's people. You've been incorporated into God's family. You are included in his promises. You, yes you, belong. You just need to put your trust in Christ for all this to come to you. And that life-changing good news remains as valid today as it did 2,000 years ago when Paul crisscrossed the Mediterranean as a servant of the gospel. He wasn't on commission, so what was in it for him? Quite simply the joy of seeing other people come to faith and welcoming them into God's family. There was no self-interest because he was motivated by the generous grace of God which seeks the good of others. He can say with perfect honesty, this is the grace that was given to me. To proclaim to the Gentiles the good news of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he himself had received the grace of Christ in such abundance that he simply couldn't avoid giving it away. And he enjoyed an immense sense of privilege in serving the gospel in this way. He says, I'm like the least of all God's people. And he says that not out of some cloyingly misguided false sense of humility, but rather out of a sense of wonderment that he, of all people, had been entrusted with this task. Back in the days when he'd been a Pharisee, he'd been so convinced that holiness was all about keeping a rigid distinction between us and them, building a wall to keep outsiders at bay, that he had ruthlessly persecuted the followers of Jesus because he thought they were compromising God's holiness. He'd seen them as a threat to be eradicated. He'd done everything he could to stamp out the church and blacken the name of Jesus and obliterate it. But all that changed when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And Paul suddenly realised with horror just how misguided he'd been, how badly he'd got it wrong. He'd persecuted the church of Christ. And yet when Jesus appeared to him in glory, he didn't blast into smithereens in retribution for the suffering he'd inflicted on his people. Instead, Christ said, I've got a job for you. You're going to go and tell other people about my grace, about the good news. And Christ turned his life around 180 degrees. And he was commissioned with the task of making known to others the gospel he had once so violently opposed. And it may be that because Paul experienced such unexpected and powerful grace when he knew all he deserved was God's judgment, that he was moved to share with as many people as he could the good news. You are saved by grace. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Good grief, look at my life. You are are saved by grace. God welcomes and accepts and forgives you through his son Jesus Christ. And he felt inadequate for the task. Not just because he saw himself as the least of all the saints, but because he said at one point, who is sufficient for these things? Who, who, Who has the resources to be able to do this? But our resources come from Christ. And in Ephesians he says, I, am a, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me by the working of his power. And he was deeply conscious of his own weakness, of his own inadequacy, of his own frailty, but even more conscious of the way in which God's grace and power were working through him. Precisely because in his weakness and in his inadequacy, he had to rely completely on God's grace. So whatever he did for the gospel, he did by God's grace, working through him in divine power. 
And whatever God calls you to do, whatever task he sets before you, whatever gift it is he, he wants you to use in his service, and it may well be something that puts you way out of your comfort zone, so you think, why on earth are you asking me to do this, Lord? But whatever it is, he says, do it in my grace and by my power. Because it's not your strength, it's my grace. It's not your ability, it's my power. Do it in my grace and by my power. And in Paul, God's grace worked in him in such a way that he simply couldn't stop telling other people about Jesus. The grace of God overflowed out of his heart into all his conversation. The grace of God became the driving force of his life. The grace that saved him when he got it so badly wrong was the grace that empowered him to do what was right and live his life 100% for God. And he knew that God's grace had been given him so that he could benefit others by sharing that grace with them. That's how grace works. When you receive it for yourself, you cannot help but give it away. And in Paul's case, God's grace enabled and empowered him to travel around the world telling other people about Jesus. Paddy Best put it this way in his commentary on Ephesians. It was on the Damascus Road he was saved through grace and received grace to be administered to the Gentiles. The inseparability of saving grace and missionary activity should be true not only for Paul, but for all Christians. Let me just repeat that. The inseparability of saving grace and missionary activity should be true not only for Paul, but for all Christians. You receive God's grace, you give it away to somebody else. God sent his son to save you, he sends you to tell other people about his son. If God's grace is in your heart, then it's bursting to get out and bless other people through you. If believing in Jesus has enriched your life, the grace you have received wants to enrich other people through you. The grace of God is always looking for ways to work through you to bring God's blessing, God's grace, God's presence, God's forgiveness, God's love into the lives of those around you. In Paul's case, he was extraordinarily gifted in telling other people about Jesus. We may not be as articulate or as confident in our faith as we think he was, but he himself said, I'm a rubbish speaker. I stumble over my words, I don't cut an impressive sight at all. I can barely string words together sometimes. It's easy for people to, to despise me when I tell them about Jesus, but the power of God works through his inadequacy. Christ worked through him to touch other people's lives. And Christ wants to work through you to reach and touch other people's lives and hearts. Using the gifts and the personality that he's given you. This may or may not involve talking about your faith at first. But at some point, the odds are that the opportunity will come up to tell someone about the difference having Jesus in your life has made to you. And then, and then when it's your inestimable privilege to talk about the unsearchable riches that God has given you in Christ and how they are freely available to the person you're talking to.
if they will put their faith in him, as you have. They have a share in God's inheritance. That may put you way out of your comfort zone, but for you as for Paul, it's all a matter of God's grace working through you in his power. His power, not yours. So, how much grace has God given you? Hopefully, it's a generous amount, because he's a generous God. If God has given you an abundance of his grace, how are you going to give it away to somebody else this week? 